Hey there, you are now listening to the College Game Plan with Coach Uni. I'm your host, Ashley Johnson, aka Coach Uni, and here we're discussing all things related to preparing for, applying to, and paying for college. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, and I hope that if you're hearing something that you like and you find to be really helpful, that you'll share the podcast with a friend. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Now, for everyone who's listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. You can find the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms, and when you subscribe, you will be notified as soon as I drop an episode. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's topic, which is going to be, we need to talk. So this talk that I'm referring to is a very important conversation that you need to have with your child regarding affording college. So it's that time of the year where many students are starting to receive college acceptance letters. And as exciting as this may be for so many people, it can also be very stressful for a lot of families because financial aid letters are also starting to become um, be released. And I was inspired to do this episode when I was browsing through a Facebook group that I'm a part of. It's called Paying for College 101. And I would highly recommend that you all join this group because it is a community of over 70,000 members and there is a wealth of information that's being shared and um, several like personal examples that are posted every single day for various different um, families that are uh, experiencing the college admissions process with their children. So I came across one post where a parent was asking for advice about what to do about the fact that her daughter had been accepted into Northwestern but they were not able to um, get the financial aid um, amount of money that they were hoping for. So the mother goes on to share that, like more information about the case and some other details, but she ended the post with, my daughter has worked so hard in high school and she has not had any help from any tutors, so she deserves to go to Northwestern. So, you know, at first I was like, okay, deserves to go to Northwestern, but okay, I get it. Um, But then I came across another post and this was from a blog called The College Solution. And the writer talks about a family that's in a pretty similar situation, but in this family, they wrote into the blog to basically share that they are, they're a retired couple who has already put two children through college and now their youngest child is uh, which is their third child has been accepted to Cornell, the University of Southern California and University of Virginia. Uh, They are also Virginia residents and they mentioned that each school has stated that their family expected contribution, the expected family contribution is very high and that the family should be able to afford full price even at the most expensive colleges. Uh, The daughter did not receive any aid from Cornell because Cornell does not offer merit aid but she did receive $10,000 in merit aid to USC. However, the cost of attendance at USC, according to their website that I checked today, so this is very current information, is $77,459 per year. They also have a $450 new student fee for everyone that's coming in for a first semester new student. So that would take your first year cost of attendance at USC to just a little bit under 78,000 for just one year. This total does not include how much it will cost to fly the child home for breaks or any other miscellaneous things like eating off campus, clothing, and social entertainment. 
Um, if the child does go to UVA, she will receive in-state tuition. And this is actually the most affordable option for the family. The parents currently have about $40,000 saved for this child. So then the father goes on to write and share that the daughter says that she believes that she is owed the opportunity to attend USC because that is her first choice. And she has worked very hard in high school. He also shares that even though she wants to go to USC, she is willing to go to UVA, but she's not happy about it. She feels like she will be with her high school classmates and that she's worked very hard to have a chance at USC and Cornell. And if she attends UVA, it will feel like she's falling back on that option. Of course, he tried to tell her that she's very fortunate to have UVA as an option because it's a fabulous school. And as someone that coming from someone who is from Virginia, I will say as much as as much as I don't necessarily want to say this because I am a Virginia Tech Hokie, UVA is a good school. I am saying this with the most maturity because clearly UVA and Virginia Tech are rival schools, but it really is a very, very good education. And it is absolutely not anything to ever be considered as a fallback or a school that is beneath um, even USC and Cornell. Okay, so then he goes on to say that if the child does end up going to USC, it will cost the family over $300,000 just for a bachelor's degree. Now, that is absolutely ridiculous to me because many people who earn bachelor's degrees will absolutely have to go on and get an advanced degree in order to start working in their desired field. And I mean, I can't think of any entry level job or any job you can get fresh out of college that can justify spending $300,000 on a bachelor's degree. However, I am willing to be corrected if I'm wrong. So if you know of any majors that will yield the return on investment to justify spending that much, please, please send me a message. Let me know because I would be very, very happy. Like I would be open to hearing more about what that opportunity entails. Some part of me feels like if you are getting a job like that, coming straight out of college and you can justify the fact that you spent that much money on a bachelor's degree, you probably didn't need the degree anyway. I'm thinking something along the lines of like when Steve Jobs started Apple, maybe even Zuckerberg and Facebook, something along those lines, which clearly neither one of them have a college degree. So um, as much as I like to say that this situation is only for like the elite and upper class, it's not because it's absolutely one of those things where even though it's not on the same, it may not be on the same scale as comparing the price difference between USC and UVA. It's very common for students to apply to and get accepted to schools that their family cannot realistically afford. So today I'm going to share with you a few tips that I feel like will be helpful for helping you to prepare to have the conversation with your child about affording college. So number one is you want to start early. The sooner you can start having this conversation with your kid, the better. Some sources recommend starting as early as elementary school, but I would say middle school is a good time because it's very close to going to high school and college is getting even closer and so it's more relevant. And um, that may like kind of help like put it all together for your child. Now, this is not a time for you to start lecturing because absolutely with lecturing, kids you know start to tune out and that's kind of defeating the purpose of having the talk. But it's more about normalizing the money talk. 
So then when it's time to choose a college, your child is thinking about the entire picture, including how much is this going to cost me? Number two is you want to use the net price calculator for all schools that your child is interested in applying to. So every school in the country has a net price, net price calculator on their website. And this is basically a tool that you can use to estimate how much financial aid you can receive based on what was what was awarded to students in your same financial situation from the previous school year. So again, this is just an estimate. So it does not represent a final determination, an actual award or a final net price. And it is also talking about the cost of attendance for the previous year and cost of attendance and financial aid availability will change from year to year at most institutions. Um, although this is not a guarantee, it is a great way to get an idea of how much you may receive in financial aid from this particular school. And you don't have to wait until your child is a junior or senior in high school to start using net price calculators. If you start early with making a college list, you and your child, you make a list of all the schools that they're interested in, then you can start running those numbers from there to see like, okay, how much could I possibly get if they ended up going to these schools? And anytime your child mentions a school that they may be interested in applying to, just run the numbers. It's very simple. Some schools have a more detailed calculator than others. I think that the more detailed ones will give you a better idea of what you could possibly end up um, getting, but they all have them. So absolutely check it out and use it. Number three, start thinking about how much you can afford to pay for, you can afford to pay towards college. So this is going to be your own comfort, like of how much you think you can start contributing. So consider the following situations. Are you still paying for your own student loans from college? Are you a business owner and your earnings are unpredictable? Are there multiple children in the family who are still either in daycare, participating in expensive extracurricular activities, or will soon be going to college as well? Do you own a home? And if so, are you still paying the mortgage? And do you have enough of a nest egg to be able to afford any type of repairs that may occur, especially the major repairs? Um, also consider your retirement. Are you in a position to put your retirement savings on hold or can you comfortably continue contributing to your retirement while your child is in college? Have you saved any money for college for this child? And if so, how far would that money reasonably go considering the cost of attendance at various colleges? And then lastly, will you be willing to take out parent loans to help pay? If so, how much is your cutoff for which you're comfortably willing to borrow? So the thing about parent loans is that, well, the thing about loans for school in general is that for students, when it comes to federal loans, there is a cap for how much students can borrow. And that amount increases each year. But for freshman year, the cap is $5,500 for federal loans. So after scholarships, grants, and federal loans, if there is any type of de deficit that still needs to be paid, either you're going to have to pay cash for that or you're going to have to get a private loan. And if you're willing to take a parent loan to cover that deficit instead of getting your child to take a private loan to cover it, parent loans are there. The cap of a parent loan through the federal government is cost of attendance. So let's go back to the USC situation. And that cost for freshman year will cost uh, just under 78,000. You can get in parent loans right up to like that cost of attendance. However, you need to like decide within yourself, how much am I willing to borrow 
for my child for this education and be firm and, and clear on that. Okay. Um, and then with private loans, there are, there are no caps for private loans, but private loans also have their own, um, they have their own like, uh, terms and conditions that could cause more problems down the line, but we'll talk about that in another episode. All right, number four is discuss expectations of what your child will need to contribute to their own education. So this may mean that your child is gonna be expected to be applying to scholarships as if it's a part-time job. I was listening to an audiobook this morning and there was a student who applied to 1,000 scholarships to help her family pay for her college education. So if you can think about it, a thousand scholarships, that is, that's a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort. And if that's the expectation, then it's kind of like one of those things where you and your kid knows like, hey, you need to be applying to X amount of scholarships every week. You need to be searching, you need to be doing this, whatever it takes, you need to be doing it. And then if you communicate with them that with, if you communicate with them that that's the expectation early, then they can start on it as early as probably ninth grade. So are you expecting your child to work and save money towards going to college? Many students will get summer jobs or seasonal jobs. And if you're hoping that they're going to use some of their working money towards their college education, then you need to have that conversation with them to say, hey, look, 50% of that check is going into an account to save for college. And you may even have to have them work during college. Like, you know, you're going to need to work and go to school at the same time. So these are things that absolutely need to be discussed. And then will you um, need them to take out loans in their own names, whether that be private loans or federal loans? And if they need a private loan, are you willing and able to be a co-signer? So I also read this book called How to Graduate Debt-Free by Christina Ellis, and I highly recommend it. I'll put that in the show notes for you guys so you can check it out yourself. And she shares that her mom told her on the first day of ninth grade that she would be on her own in regards to paying for college. Christina then realized that on the day, on that day, that she had to be strategic, she had to be strategic for how she was going to make this work for her. So she always had it in the back of her mind as she went through high school that college was going to be her sole financial responsibility. And basically, by having that mentality, she was able to come up with different strategies so that she was able to get her bachelor's, her master's, and her doctoral degree absolutely debt-free. And in the book, she shares all of her tips and suggestions. So that's another reason why I recommend it to you guys. Um, So I was also reading a blog called roadtocollege.com. And um, the writer of one of the posts recommends that you make sure your student understands how much debt can impact their future, including their ability to take a job that that they may enjoy but it does not start off paying a lot. So in how to how to graduate debt-free, Christina also talks about how she was able to turn down a high-paying job after college to pursue a job that was more of like her dream job, but it didn't pay as much as this other job. But she was able to do that because she was debt-free. So she had that freedom to be able to say, I don't need to take this high-paying job because I've got all these financial responsibilities. I can take the job that is of my heart's desire and I can you know, live the life I've always wanted to live because I don't have any debt, which a lot of people can't say that. So that was pretty cool. Number five, be cautious of outside advice from others that may make your child think that choosing an affordable school is not a good option. So according to that same blog post on roadtocollege.com, the writer says, unfortunately, some teachers and other parents consider college a status symbol. 
and may make negative comments about your child choosing an affordable college. And this is so true, especially if your student is more of like a high achieving kid um, and they may have to choose to go to community college first. And then they're planning to transfer to like a state school and maybe even stay at home to save even more money. And or they may apply to a school that they are their stats are going to be a lot higher than the average accepted student at that school. And that may cause a lot of people to share their opinion about like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're going to that school as if it's beneath them to go there. But remember, the goal is that you're getting a degree, not a debt. I mean, you don't want to you want to get a degree, not debt. So however you have to work that out, keep that in the forefront of your mind and definitely make sure that you're not being, you know, like persuaded to go into a whole bunch of debt to go to an elite school or a name brand school based off of what other people think and what they're saying. And lastly, number six is consider the, the whole financial picture, which we've been talking about this a lot. But by considering the whole financial picture, some schools will offer generous one year aid that is either renewable, it's not renewable or it's very difficult to maintain. And when you receive your financial aid letters for freshman year, make sure you contact the financial aid office to see what is the likelihood that you can receive that same amount of aid for the following three years to come. Or is this kind of like a one and done, like this is all you're going to get for freshman year, but the projection for the next couple of years is going to be a lot less. Um, think about the cost of living in the area that the college is located in. So many schools will require that freshmen live on campus their first year. But to remain on campus for sophomore to junior year, I mean, sophomore to senior year, some schools have like a lottery system because they don't have enough space to have everybody that wants to stay on campus stay. And that may mean that your child has to find off-campus housing. So let's say your kid ends up going to NYU and they can, they get enough financial aid for their first year, but the second year, they have to move off campus and now they're looking for an apartment that is in downtown Manhattan. How much is that going to cost? If that was the case, if that's the scenario, you have to run all of these situations. Even if you're like, oh, I know that will never happen. Run it anyway. You just don't know. So this means that basically you need to think about the apartment. You need to think about the housing, but you also need to also, you also need to think about will your child need a car to commute back and forth if they're moving off campus? Does the school offer reliable public transportation? And of course, with off-campus housing and cars, there's other expenses like insurance, gas, repairs, furnishing the apartment, et cetera, et cetera. And if your child chooses an out-of-state school, consider the cost of transporting them to and from school during breaks. So in the USC situation with the Virginia family, that child is absolutely going to need to fly home Anytime there's a break, they're going to have to fly her out there to start, fly her back when it's time to finish. And that adds up. So always remember the big financial picture. It's not just about what the cost of attendance is or what tuition and fees are for that university. Um, so that's all I have for you guys today. I feel like this was a pretty extensive list and hopefully it was insightful and thought provoking. Um, if you felt like it was something that I said that you were like, yeah, that was a good point. Please make sure you share this with a friend that you think should hear it as well. And also don't forget to subscribe. You can leave a review of what you think about my podcast, um, especially on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can uh, give me a star rating and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. 
you can also follow me on Instagram at coach.uni. And I'm also on Twitter at coach underscore uni. And please send me a message, like leave me a comment. Tell me what you thought about today's episode. If there's any topics that you want me to cover and you would love to hear some more information about, absolutely send me a DM. I would be more than happy to cover topics that are more relevant. And um, I just want to thank you all for listening. So I will chat with you guys soon and see you next time.